Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast brought to you by Corinium. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of industries, departments and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data and analytics. Let's dive straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast brought to you by Corinium. This week we are talking all about building a community, specifically how organisations can benefit from a strong data community. And when we say the words community, there is an executive who springs to mind and I'm so glad he's joining us today, which is the lovely Paul Morley, who is the Executive Group Data Services Director from Nedbank. Now, if you haven't met Paul before, a few intro facts for you. Paul has been working within Nedbank since 2010 and is an active keynote speaker and contributor to Corinium and the business of data. You may have in fact heard Paul uh, more recently in our clubhouse rooms, both the Data Fight Club and our business of data power hour as well. Uh, So that's what you'll find him doing outside of work. But a little fun fact for you, Paul absolutely adores the most outrageous and funky socks and colourful shirts. So if you're in a conference space and you see a man wearing a rather outrageous shirt, most likely it's going to be Paul. Lovely to see you, Paul. How are you doing? Kev, I'm doing well. Um, Getting ready for another long week. But other than that, I had a good weekend. Can't complain about life. (laughs) I love that. Now, Paul, you always attend our events, our clubhouse, LinkedIn lives, you name it, you are there. And I mean, we're talking about community today. So let's start off with kind of the external community. Why are you so passionate about being part of the wider data and analytics community? I think that's, yeah, that's a a, a very good question. And I think it's perhaps you're the only one that's ever asked me. Um, you know, I found myself a few years ago, uh, as I got older and older and older, I started worrying, uh, you know, th- worrying a lot about mortality. And uh, one of the things I realized is, you know, you go through life uh, and, you, and you become an expert in, in, in certain things, you do certain things. Um, and, you know, my, my father actually always said to me, Paul, you always remember this, when, you, when you're born, you're born with nothing. Uh, and unlike the old saying, when you're born, when you, when you're born you, you you, you're born with nothing, and you, when you leave the world, you, you leave the world with nothing. He was always a firm believer that's untrue. You come into the world with nothing, and you leave with two things. The impact you made and your name. And for me, that was what I always thought about it. What, why do I go through all this life learning all these things if I can't share, share, share our knowledge? And in the South African context, it's a very important one. Uh, we have to, within this, our South African context, uh, have to bring up our, our youth and our youngsters and our young professionals uh, and contribute to them and, and, and make them better people. Uh, we've got to make tomorrow a better place because we all know, I think the current generation really, really didn't do a good job of it, to be quite honest. And so, so you know, everybody's, I've got an obligation to share my knowledge with the, with the world and whoever wants to listen. And I think it's very, very important to do so. Otherwise, life, life has no meaning if you can't share and you can't learn. Um, that's, that's just sort of my personal philosophy in life. But I do it because of... I have to, I have to, I have to get everything I've learned out and 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 teach and and share uh, and with, with with the world. Otherwise, it's just a waste. Otherwise, I've gone through my life learning what I do, and it's just going to go away. So, that's we really, really we are coming. Very personal journey for me. Yeah, and I think you know if we think about as you were saying that the younger generation and the talent pool coming up, I think 
having executives like yourself who are keen to mentor, who are keen to show what you know and your experiences so that you can nurture the upcoming talent. This is how we're going to progress uh, so much quicker in the future that people aren't having to climb the same ladders that perhaps the, the uh, executives who are, who are in their positions now like yourself it's a case of actually you might be able to skip a few of those challenges because you're able to to, to help them up. Um, I think that's that's such a, a culture we want to have in the data analytics community rather than, well, it took me this hard to get up the ladder. You can do the same thing. Actually, that attitude's not very uh, productive for innovation. So that's the external community. Now, you've been passionate about doing this internally as well. So how have you been looking to reinforce this community idea and everything you just said about your personal morals? into NetBank? Well, I think most people in the organization, they've known me for a good few years. And I, wherever I am, I contribute. Uh, uh, wherever I find myself internally, I contribute. And certainly, if there's anybody that wants to know about data uh, 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 or our sort of um, industry sector, then I'm there. I, I, I do a lot internally. I do a lot of storytelling internally. I do a lot of collaboration internally, a lot of education. A lot of communication internally, both written and, and in video forms. Um, um, and I have many discussions, uh, uh, debates around it internally. And that's to build the awareness and the passion and the enthusiasm. So uh, I probably spend a good part of my day. I would say anything between two and a half hours to three hours a day just doing that. So either, I'm either educating, I'm either writing for the organization, I'm either engaging or collaborating, just about data, not, not necessarily work. So I spend a lot of time, two to three hours a day. That's generally how much I spend. Uh, and, and if I could do more, I would do more. Uh, I think it's very, very important um, to, to, to share that and make people who don't understand data understand data. Because I think, and again, it's a team sport. So as much as we can say we want to drive certain things internally within the data community, actually, it's not about us. It's not about the data community. It's about the broad organization and, and you know, bringing them with you and, and inculcating that knowledge and understanding is, is vital. Uh, otherwise, we, we're not an island on our own. Absolutely. And I want to pull that thread straight away because I know one of the big challenges that a lot of our listeners will be dealing with is how to get and bring the grassroots of the business on board with the data analytics strategy. Because what you've said right there, I think, is so right that it's not about the data analytics community. It's the wider uh, business community. So from your experience in your career, what does it really take to get the grassroots of the business on board? Repetition. So there's a few things. Uh, you know, like playing golf, like playing any sport, to become good at it, it takes practice. Uh, and and, and to, to educate an organization, the, the span of an organization like a bank and with the complexities, the only way you're going to inculcate that and start building a, a, a culture or start changing the culture is repetition. Repetition, 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 more and more. Every day it's repetition. Every, every engagement I, I sit in, I always make sure there's a data conversation in it, be it a steering code, a team meeting, be it an external meeting, an internal meeting, a vendor meeting, a strategy, a strategy meeting, a planning meeting, financial meeting. It doesn't matter what type of engagement I have in the organization, but I always try and find the data angle and have the data conversation every single engagement I have. Um, and I do that with my team and my team, I've said to my team, whatever meeting you go, find, there's always a data angle. There's always a data story and there's always an angle in, regardless of what meeting you say. Always bring that story up, always bring that story up. So I think that's one of the fundamentals. It's about repetition, long and hard. And when everybody gives up, you're still going and, and you just go. Then, then, you need, then you need passionate, enthusiastic, lively, fun type personalities. And I think that's probably why I, I, I've been 
I've been a little bit successful in this because I'm I'm an energetic, I'm a fun guy. I'm, I'm I, now I bring I bring an energy that that I, and I'm an extrovert by nature. So so that does help the organisation and does help conveying the message. Uh, I do think um, um, other personalities besides myself, you know, if you're a little bit more introvert, tend to have a little bit of a tougher time about it. I, I tend to make friends very quickly. I tend to get into conversations quickly. I'm not shy. You know, and, and you've got to have those personalities. You've got to have those, those fun, bubbly, energetic personalities to drive the story. The last thing you want to, to try and change an organization is, is and, and there's nothing wrong with it, but the quiet types, they, they don't generate confidence necessarily. So... And I'm not on a stereotype, but you do need somebody that 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 can drive the energy that is energetic that people can can say, wow, okay, let's let's go along with this. Uh, so there's that there's that angle. So it's repetition. That's the right type of people driving the message. So you've got to find the right and you've got to plan a lot around the right leaders to do this. And, and again, transformational programs fail simply because they don't have the right leadership. And I'm not saying this type of leadership that I've just uh, talked about now is the right leadership. For everything, no, it's not. But you've got to identify the right leadership for the right for the for what you want to do, uh, be it any type of leadership. Repetition, leadership, and obviously there's the angle on your on your team and culture. You're going to spend a lot of time on, on the team and culture. If your people are not on your side, uh, you will fail. Okay, so and it's and it's just it doesn't matter if you're an exec and, you, and, you, and you're selling the stories, doing whatever you like. The bottom line is, if the man in the trench, the the, the lowest level staff member is not buying into this journey, you are going to fail. And as simple as that. So you're going to spend a lot of time at the bottom, not at the top, not in these leadership strategy sessions. You're going to speak speak to the people in the trenches. When you do that and you go, you bring them on board, then you've got a very good a, a chance of, of changing the organization. But if you don't do that, those are my three things, by the way. Those, yeah. those, those, those are the big ones for me. See, I think it's interesting that you bring up the extrovert versus introvert personality type, because obviously in, in my role, I get to speak to so many wonderful leaders. And I, I personally think it's less about extrovert or introvert or ambivert or however you want to do it. But actually what you mentioned earlier, which is about the passion set. I think no matter where you are on that spectrum, if you're one person that walks into the room and says, hello, everyone, or if you're a person that sits down and waits and then says, hello, everyone, I think if you are genuinely passionate about the work you do, and as you say, do that repetitive nature of saying, oh, well, actually, we've got a data set that can answer that question. Or actually, if you have a look at this dashboard, you'll see all the numbers you want. I'll show you how to use it. If you have someone that genuinely lives that passion, I think that is the key. And I think it's, it's, it's really uh interesting how that you know like you say spreads spreads into into uh the, becomes the wider becomes like a virus becomes infectious exactly create that mm. absolutely so i mean here on the business of data podcast we talk a lot about the talent shortage at the moment it's certainly a big uh challenge that we're all experiencing in fact you and i have spoken about it on clubhouse together before and i'm keen to kind of bring this in and say you know how are you finding this sense of community this sense of data analytics being everywhere within nedbank is that helping you retain and attract talent uh, above some of your competitors, do you think it's it stands out as a as a thing that people want to be part of because it is more of a community type approach? I think there's there's a number of people, and I suppose I suppose it depends on on, on the, the generation you're speaking to. I think the younger generations and, and uh, absolutely there's something about you know being on the front line and and cutting edge that attracts a lot of the younger you know you know the, a lot of the young the young talent the young hunger. So I think that does do a little bit of that. But again, on the older side, the older generations, uh, not necessarily. So uh, a lot of the older generations also feel scared of the new stuff. So 
in, in a sense, it becomes harder to, in some cases to keep your, your old guys than it is to bring on the new guys because the new guys are more enthusiastic and they've got skills that the old guys don't have and they, you know, they're very enthusiastic because they're young. And I mean, they're, you know, and they've got, they've got things to prove. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, that's a different type. Yeah. The older guys, you know, either they don't have the skills or they feel full or, you know, they're just too old. They're going to retire in four years and the last thing you want to do is go and do all this hectic stuff. So they, let me just find a place where I can slowly retire. You know, so so um, again, I don't want to steer it up, uh, but but there is, there's two different challenges, and uh, and I think you've got to look at both. Okay, uh, um, and there's no one answer to the thing. I mean, again, I think we lose a lot of people in Medbank, and and I think most of the banks, I, don't, I can't speak for all of the banks, but certainly from us at, at the moment, our current position, we have two two banks in South Africa that are actively headhunting our data guys, and I think. We've we've had we've lost about thirty percent of our staff to 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 banks uh, this year alone in our in our in our group and that's a lot okay and that covers all the professions and again I think you know we talk about that and we have this we raise this risk at a at a group level because this obviously now becomes a, a, a group level type risk mm. uh, and, and and I think yes it is a concern but we also get a lot of new people and a lot of new blood and I think it's testament to to NetBank in itself that. That that uh, the, the you know opposition are, are taking our people uh, and we've got very good programs uh, training programs. I mean we've got I, I, I've been involved and I started two graduate programs with two other local universities. That's been going about two or three years. Uh, we've got extensive internal training programs. We've got uh, so yeah we we do look after our guys and we and we t typically attract the best when it is and we're very very specific around the resources we are. We don't just hire anyone. So so we do land up with a little bit of the cream of the crop. Uh, and I think the other banks, and, and you know, as, as much as we don't like it, it's painful at the time when, when our guys are being uh, poached or headhunted. Uh, I think it's testament to what we've done. And I think uh, if we continue down that track, ultimately, uh, we will survive because we have the capability of regenerating our resources. Unfortunately, the other banks, if they haven't done that and they're poaching, they spend a life of poaching everybody else's resources, their sustainability is not very great because uh, it can, that can swing both ways. But I, I, I like to say NetBank itself has got a good sustainability because we generate that type of intellect and, and we're good at it. And uh, I think while it's tough at the moment, I do think we'll pull through. And, and I think those are the messages organizations need. You must get involved in the data community itself, uh, as we are with our universities, our technicons, our, our educational uh, institutions. We're very involved with that. And, and one of our strategic pillars in NetBank is sustainability. And that's for everything. I mean, we don't even we don't even fund uh, fossil fuel uh, loans or power stations. So our, our bank is very very avant-garde when it comes to uh, and the the global health and the, the 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 social responsibility that we have. So we're very much involved in that, and I think that that's part of the reason why we are so resilient at the moment with, yeah. when it comes to these types. Now, you, you mentioned there about the other organisations poaching your talent once they've gone through a very rigorous training. Do you think we're experiencing a new, it's almost wider than data analytics, just a new culture in general that, you know, we know people aren't walking into an office and staying there for the rest of their lives till they retire. They are moving around different organizations. Are you adapting any of your strategies with the knowledge that you will have team members join you for maybe two or three years and then they might look for something else because data people are very ambitious they're very curious they they want growth and you know that, that kind of works hand in hand with other opportunities and it may not always be the pay packet it might just be a change of scenery because again data people do tend to get quite bored quite quickly so are you looking at your strategies in this and thinking well i've got this subset of talent right now that will probably last if if we're being honest for about three years i'll then have a different cohort is that making its way into your thinking 
Yeah, I, I suppose, um, you know, that's something you're never going to change. I think that's just the, the, the nature of, of, of business today. And I think it's, I'm not sure if it's exacerbated from 20 years ago, because 20 years ago, we had the same thing. Mm. Uh, not as, perhaps not as broad and and, span, and, and as uh, impactful. But, you know, these are all problems. They've, they've been around for forever. So I don't, and, and again, if you're going to retain people, you've, what is your value proposition of your organization? What, what is your value thing? A lot of the youngsters leave because they want a different challenge or they want to work on new technologies. But like you said, it's not about the pay packet. Certainly with me, I've, I've turned down a gazillion jobs with much more pay than I have. But I'm, I'm enjoying what I would do. But I'm here on my own accord. I'll leave when I feel like I need to leave. Because all the money in the world ain't going to keep me. Mm. Uh, and I think it's it's about those challenges. Because I think like that. If I if I don't have a challenge in my life when I'm working to or a serious goal I'm working towards, I get bored. And because yeah. I'm an energetic, I'm an energy bunny. You know, like I'm. You know, I, I only sleep five hours a day, so I, I'm I'm busy. And if I if I'm not busy doing something that I enjoy, then I'm going to get bored. Uh, and to keep me entertained is, is is quite a challenge. I'm always looking for the tough stuff, and that, that's like every other resource. If you're not if you're not pr- providing a value statement that goes broader than the normal atypical remuneration and leave and all of those fine things, they're going to leave. Okay, so and, and the nice thing what we've done in NetBank is we try and experiment with a lot of new technologies. We try everything and lots of lots of different things. There's always an opportunity to 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 uh, um, um, provide value in your youngsters. But again, before you even get there, you've got to engage with them. You've got to get down to their level. You've got to get down in the trenches with them. You've got to speak to them on their own level uh, and, and understand them. And if you don't understand them, then you won't be able to provide value. But uh, it's it's about the culture you've got. Do you have an experimental culture? Do you have a and I, and I think that's what's going to save you in that. Yes, people are going to leave. But then again, I've got a lot of youngsters who stayed with me for 10 years. And they were graduates. Yeah. They came out of university. I them. They're still with me. And they're some of the best in the bank. And they're not interested in leaving anymore. So uh, it's a tough one. It's, 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 it really is. You've just got to provide a value statement that you think the majority of your staff is going to enjoy and, and understand. And Because you won't stop that. And, and again, have you built resilience in your organization? Uh, like we have, we've got this an ongoing training, various training and mentoring programs and leadership programs that we that we very active in. So we always we always generating new um, uh, intellect, and and it impacts us, but not as greatly. But and that's something you have to invest in. That's how you protect yourself. Build resiliency in your staff. That's yeah. what you need to do. I love that. Such great advice and such good user cases there for our listeners to be thinking about how they can apply that same thinking in their organizations. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of come, come in on the micro to begin with here on the community, but uh, given that you speak with us so regularly, Paul, I want to have the opportunity to kind of go out a bit wider and, and ask in, in all the conversations you have, in all the conferences that you attend, what are the big challenges that you're seeing our community work through at the moment? If we could, you know, maybe have a top three uh, you know, what, what's the big things that you're looking for and that you're hearing in the market? So, and, and is that the technology thing or from, from an event perspective or, yeah, or both? I mean, both. I mean, I'm always keen to hear from, from the technology side as well. So I think from a tech things, the big things that come to mind, uh, and, I, and again, it's around data management is going to be a big problem. And uh, I think that's going to get worse. Okay. I don't think we understand the issues we're going to be facing in the next three years. Around real things like, and I've talked about it before, Cap. Real-time uh, data management, real-time data quality, data mm-hmm. provenance, data ethics. How are you going to manage all that stuff in real time? Uh, let, let's be honest, you're not. Okay, you're never going to do it. And I, and I, and I know Morgan and some of the other guys disagree with you, but you're not going to manage that volume of data at that velocity uh, correctly and all the time. So I think that's going to be a challenge. How we do it, we just be very creative on how we do it. And I think providence, data providence, is going to become a bigger role. Forget about bad data. Uh, 
what you should be worrying about is, is data. We don't know where it comes from because uh, these countries and these terrorists are, are generating fake data. And, and the, the last thing you want is any of your AI models compromised yeah. on your data set before you even trained your model. So I think data provenance is going to be a big one. Uh, things like the semantic web are going to become more and more important. Uh, cybersecurity, absolutely going to be a big issue. Uh, but I, again, I see that converging with data, uh, data. So cyber and data for me is the same thing now. Uh, you can't separate those two. So And they are coming together. Um, so those are the two big ones. Uh, AI, I think the bling has gone out of AI. Um, we now need to start actually delivering on AI, which is driving it down outside of a use case type ex uh, example, because uh, now it's, it's done. You know, now we've got to start using it. And I think that's going to be a big challenge for a lot of people. I think they still want to talk a lot more about AI than actually implementing AI. So uh, somebody's going to run out of road there. Um, and, and from conferences, I, you know, I, and and you know, I want to see when I go and look at the conferences, I do a lot. I've done IBM recently, I did the IBM Global Think, I did the Microsoft CX, um, one with their data data officer. And, and, and again, I think a lot of it is generated by hype, okay? And, these, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely against consultants. Right? And I'm talking about the traditional consultants who generate hype um, to generate product okay, and service. That's, that, that's what I'm talking about, you know? I'm not talking about the natural trend of technology development, but people that go out of the way and create discussion to create product, to create services. And I think that's a big problem in my mind. I'm, I'm very militant against that. So, so I've got a very skeptical look when I look at the, the big consultancies, you know, the likes of God, and they go, oh, magic quadrant, the hype cycle. Well, what's a hype cycle? If you created it, and by the way, you can't get on the hype cycle unless you pay to get on the hype cycle. So it's not like it's a community service, you know what I'm saying? So. Whoever's on the hype cycle, those, those hype cycle top desk bid products are companies that have paid to get onto it. What about the companies that didn't pay to get on it? So I, I'm very skeptical. I'm very passionate. So I get very sorry, Kath. It's one of my my, my CDs. <laughs> uh, 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 it's it's one of those things. It's all this fake stuff, and then people get confused, and we land up in big arguments. But yeah, those are some of the big things I, I, I've got. To, and I think that's going to get worse. By the way, your product consultancy houses generating product and and and, and yeah. services is going to increase. It's become very competitive, um, and I think that's just going to get worse. And the poor guy on the back end is just trying to do his job with a piece of technology is absolutely confused and doesn't know where he where, where he wants to go. Mm. And, and and that's real money. That's real lives. That's real families. That's real sustainability. And he's confused because of all these people. You know. So yes, I've got a little bit of a moral a moral uh, predicament in that space. So, uh, <laughs> and I do get militant. I speak up. I'm very vocal about that point. Because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, you never um, have to apologise so, for being passionate uh, uh, with people. But um, I mean, this is this is a good moment to perhaps think about a, a, a new data fight club topic. And I mean, I keep mentioning it. So for those listeners who haven't popped into our Tuesday Clubhouse, uh, we do a fight club, which is a 30 minute uh, uh, room in Clubhouse open to everyone. It's a safe space to come and debate unpopular opinions or perhaps uh, opinions that you don't normally get to discuss. So, you know, the, the, the uh, topic that Paul's just brought up there about consultancies, what role do they truly play? And I mean, uh, we, we moderate this in a safe way for you to come and debate. So if you'd like to uh, pop over to that, you'd be most welcome. But Paul, towards uh, the end of the podcast here, I would be keen from everything we've discussed today with the community side to, to those challenges you've just uh, spoken through there. What's your kind of call to action for the, for the leaders who are listening? What would you like to see them implement uh, at the end of uh, 2021 that we seem to be fastly approaching? Um, what would you like to see? I'd like to see a lot of uh, our data leaders speaking a lot more about the people role in the technology. Uh, 
And I and uh, you look at the forums, you look at the conferences, you look at the pieces you read. I want to see more about the people context. We talk so much about the technology context. I'm saying we we are the tools for the for the leaders to to help help their people. You know, so they've got lots of tools like AI uh, cheat sheets, and they've got AI strategies and how to build a transformational organization, and they've got all these tools to help people. But I don't see any any tools around. For the people in the data world, how do you how do you how do you change the people? How do you how do you put those people into context? How do you those are the tools I want to start seeing more? I want to see more conversation around the start of the of the journey rather than the end of the journey. And, and I think that's important because if we don't start dealing with the people, you know, you talked about it earlier, Kat, with people leaving only two to three years and they're moving around. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't start talking to those people, you're going to have a hard time about it. That is if that is the use case. People aren't going to stay around for two or three years. They'll probably be out in a few months. So, uh, you know, if you don't start with that level of, of conversation first in, 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 the, in the data sector, uh, compounded by all these other inconsequential events, uh, you're going to have a hard time about it. You're really going to have a hard time. So I want to see more of that, more of the people-related con data context discussion uh, and, and tuning and, and discussion. I want to see more of that. Amazing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I look forward to catching up with you in our clubhouse rooms and of course, watching you at our next event. So uh, take care and speak to you soon. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs, and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.